0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best selling book, The Code Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662 844 1414 and order my new book, The Code And welcome into the Friday edition of The Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky, Stephen Gagliano. Sorry that we didn't give you an episode on Monday or Wednesday. I was fraternizing with. Uh, Scott Strickland, the AD of Florida. I actually uh, saw him while I was on vacation. I thought about bugging him. I really did, Stephen. I thought about bothering
0: him, but I didn't. I wussed out. I couldn't do it. (laughs) That probably would have been your last interaction with him if you did. I think if you go to him now at some point and say, hey, I didn't bother you when I saw you on vacation, do you want to talk to me? He may be more likely to do it. So I think you made the right call.
1: Yeah, I think
0: so. My dad was like,
1: Michael, you should have just bothered him. Who cares? Like if he gets mad at you, so what?
0: Uh thought about it, but anyway. We saw Tony Bennett at a uh at a pizza place in New York one time, and we thought about going over and saying something to him, and we chose not to. Not the basketball coach, the the singer. Really cool. Oh, to, really? <laughs> yeah, it was really cool to see him, but we didn't want to go over and bother him.
1: So uh, a lot of things have happened between last Friday and now, but mostly stuff that everybody knew was coming anyway. Oklahoma and Texas now officially Members of the SEC, the release, said that it wasn't going to be until 2025. You can go ahead and uh, count on it happening earlier. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas and Oklahoma are on the football schedule next year.
0: Wow, that soon. I think it might happen that soon. With the figure that I've seen thrown out there, that like 75 to $80 million to break that agreement, what's $80 million to Texas? They're worth a billion dollars. Right. So, I mean,
1: if that's what it takes, yeah. and there will be some kind of negotiating or whatever. I think it'll happen that soon. I mean, once you've declared that you're divorcing your wife, you don't stick around and live in the house for
0: <laughs> for a few years. You know, I
1: mean, it's over. And I think the Big 12 and the teams in the Big 12, despite uh, what they're saying publicly, are also looking around and, and figuring. So it's the beginning of a lot of stuff uh, that is really I've been asked, I don't know about you, I've been asked a lot lately, well, what does this mean? What happens next?
0: I don't know. I have no you idea you've got to have all the answers now. Night. You're the but, magic eight ball of the <laughs> SEC.
1: No, but nobody knows. You know, I mean we're we're now in in a limbo. Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC. We know that for sure. They will be in the conference sooner than 2025. I think it's safe to say we know that for sure. Maybe next year is a little premature. They're not living out the next four years in the Big 12. I would definitely by 2023. That's the the safest bet in all of this for sure. Um, So big day for the SEC, a big day for college sports. I did see Bud Elliott, for whatever it's worth, what is he at, 24-7 now? Uh, He used to be at SB Nation. Here's what he said, and I actually want to respond to it. Yeah, he's at 24-7. He said, if you're a fan of Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Kentucky, Arkansas, or the Mississippi schools, why are you in favor of Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC? Is there some sort of dividend program I didn't know about? Seriously or sincerely curious. Uh, I do appreciate and respect the fact that he put Tennessee in with the rest of them because that's where they belong. At least he gets that. Points for that. For getting that right, because Tennessee does belong with all of those other ones, and they've been worse. Now that it's official, I think it's the idea that, oh, it's going to get harder and we shouldn't let this happen because it's going to be all all that stuff. I've heard from Ole Miss fans and Mississippi State fans, we shouldn't let them in because it's going to make everything harder. And it, it certainly might. Some years it will. Ross Dellinger had a report this morning that the pods are gaining momentum internally in the SEC. People like that idea. We talked about it on Friday of last week, where there are going to be years where it's going to make your schedule easier, even because you'll get draws with Missouri and Kentucky and Tennessee and South Carolina as opposed to Alabama and LSU and Oklahoma. And by the way, like we said last week, the last time Ole Miss went to Austin, Texas, they kicked the shit out of Texas. That happened uh, Texas hasn't really been good for a couple of decades now. If you want to be, if you think you can be nationally competitive, more money will only help in that regard. But if you're afraid of Texas and Oklahoma, don't tell me you think you can be nationally competitive anymore.
0: That's why, yeah, that my original point on this, I feel like, stands If you're an Ole Miss fan or if you're the Ole Miss football program, Texas and Oklahoma do not add any harder teams to your conference than you already play every single year. And depending on what they do with the scheduling, again, you may even miss out on playing those teams a couple years in a row or whatever. So if you can beat Texas and Oklahoma and you can beat Alabama, that's when this really becomes a topic of conversation. Until then... You're in it because you're making a ton more money. And then, you know, the competitiveness that hopefully follows if you're one of the programs mentioned in that guy's tweet.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you want a seat at the table or not? Do you think that you are a nationally relevant program? If the answer is yes, then you shouldn't also say or be afraid of adding Oklahoma or Texas making it harder. If you think you belong with those programs, then guess what? This is the way that you compete with those. This is where college football is headed. I, I am fascinated by all of this, the, the goings-on, but the beauty of it for Ole Miss right now is you're at the table. You're on the flight. You're on the boat. Whatever analogy you want to use, you're on On the board, train. On the train. You're on board. You are locked in among the big boys, and that will never change. It's not going to change. And so, yeah, Oklahoma is a better program than you. They are. I mean, you know, they are. But if you think you belong, you cannot and should not be afraid of Oklahoma. And you definitely shouldn't be afraid of Texas right now at all. And on top of that, in response to Bud Elliott, um, bringing Oklahoma to your home stadium, eh, what, twice every four years if they go to the Pods? well, I guess it would be once every four years if they're not in yours. Right. You would play them twice in four years. Either way, bringing Oklahoma
0: to your stadium creates a a ticket worth buying. A season ticket package worth buying. Somebody's going to buy tickets to every single game just so they can get that one game when Oklahoma comes or when Texas comes. That that would be huge for the program.
1: So my response to... To Bud Elliott was, does the massive check the league sends you every year count as a dividend? It should. Uh, And that's, I mean, if you want your program to get better, there's one way to make it better. Have more money. (laughs) Even though everybody else in the SEC is, is rising as well. You having more money than others in college football will elevate your program. It absolutely will. And now that we're going to a 12-team playoff, you don't have to be number one in the SEC. You can be five. You can finish fifth
0: and make the playoff. I mean, that's – anyway. Well, the interesting thing, too, with that, and we've, we've talked about adding these teams to your schedule and what that means. Say you get Alabama and Oklahoma in the same season, which would be tough. But if you think you are one of these nationally contending programs and you go out and you lose to Alabama, guess what? You have another shot on your schedule of proving that you're one of the top teams. You'll play – you'll lose whatever to Alabama in that game. Then you'll play number 3 Oklahoma four weeks later, and if you beat them, you're right back in the conversation.
1: And that's the thing, man. If you don't think – I am not going to try to sell you that old Miss 2021 is as good as Oklahoma or Alabama – But if you're trying to tell me that there is a 0% chance you could beat one of those two teams, I think you're crazy. I think you absolutely can. And they showed it last year. And by the way, Ole Miss played a nine-game SEC schedule last year, and the bowl game was the number 11 team in college football, right? So you played 10 games against the nation's best, and you pissed away two of them with interceptions, and the Auburn game, if not for shoddy officiating, you would have won that as well. Old Miss had the second-worst defense in SEC football history. In SEC football history. And you can argue they should have won nine games last year. Yes, and should have, could have, would have, all that. But they were competitive with every single team on their schedule last year. All of them. It was a conference-only schedule, plus the number 11 team in college football who had a top-five defense. And you were in it with every single one of them, and you pissed away two games, and the refs pissed
0: away another. And one of those teams that you're right in the ballgame with is Alabama.
1: Won the national championship, handedly.
0: Yep. So
1: you're there. You're there. This is a response I got from somebody that follows me. He said, it doesn't matter when you're getting your teeth kicked in every week. Wonder what that will do for attendance at Ole Miss and State after not making bowl games year after year. That's not what's going to happen. At least it shouldn't. Now, you can mismanage your program, hire Matt Luke again, and yeah, sure, you can miss bowl games year after year. Of course you can. But if the SEC goes to nine conference games and they go to the pods and you have your three uh, out-of-conference games, there's no excuse still to not be going to bowl games on a regular basis. None. I, I just... I think that Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but I think that Ole Miss can be a nationally relevant program. Can they be Alabama? No. Can they be Oklahoma? No. But can they get there? Yeah, we've seen it. It's been done. By somebody who when you really look at it as good of a football coach as Hugh Freeze was, there was a lot of incompetence, right? A lot of incompetence. Yeah. Good football coach, a lot he did wrong. Yeah, and all and still got there. Those
0: things can be true at the same time. I think there are people yeah. out there that don't like to admit that, but there were problems with a lot of those teams every single year. There was game day coaching problems, even. Yeah, I I mean, don't forget. The the number of times that Jeremy Liggins came in on a third and (laughs) two, you know, those kind of things can be questioned from here until the cows come home. Yeah. So you've seen it already.
1: You can do it. It it absolutely can be done. This, This idea that, this is going to make it harder for Ole Miss. It may – maybe it's true. But I think that you can have a nationally competitive program that wins games at the highest level. It can be done. It's harder for you, but it can be done. Adding Texas and Oklahoma, to me, changes nothing about your current status. It only elevates it, honestly. Ole it's, Miss and Mississippi State I, – I, I keep dropping State in there because that's what I have to do on the other platforms I have. But – It's good to be consistent. Ole Miss's national profile has been elevated today. It's been elevated because they have the patch on their chest. It makes them more attractive
0: today. It does. Which I didn't even really think was possible. Not from an Ole Miss standpoint, but just from the SEC standpoint. The SEC has been the premier conference in college athletics for a long time now. And it was always kind of like, all right, there's nowhere to go from here because you're already at the top. This elevates that even further. Mm -hmm. by. Adding just two of the top programs in all of college athletics, just by name alone. Yeah. Did you read uh, Ross Dellinger's story this morning by chance? I have not. So basically,
1: what it said was there are some people in the conference that love the traditional divisions. Ugh. And but aside from that, there is some momentum uh, about the pods. Now it's really early in the process. They're going to have to sit down and talk this through, but there is some forward thinking about the three permanent opponents, six rotating, and do it that way. They may not even do it in a pod situation. It'll just, you know, they'll have permanent opponents and have a rotating schedule, something like that. Uh, That was encouraging to me. That was really encouraging to hear that.
0: The fact that that's already gaining traction is a good thing. And you'll never be able to sell me that these conversations weren't already taking place. So, I mean... It's been going on probably for a couple weeks, maybe even a couple months now, I assume. But the fact that publicly now it's being reported that this is already gaining traction and we're still in a very early phase of this tells me that that groundswell is only going to continue, especially when everyone starts giving their input, which is that's the part of the process that we're at now.
1: And if you're Keith Carter, whenever these things go down, whenever this meeting happens to to discuss this, you lobby for the pods, right? That's what you want. If you're Keith Carter, if you're John Cohen, if you're at at Arkansas, Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky,
0: especially you you lobby for that, don't you? I think so. And especially because everyone wants a crack at Oklahoma and Texas, I assume when you get them in, your conference, I would think whether you're in the East or the West, you're going to want to play them. And the only real way to make sure that that happens is in this pod scenario. Because if you're in the East and they add Texas and Oklahoma to the West, you don't want to settle for only playing them, what is it, once every six years? Eight years? How you would that. host
1: them once every fourteen or sixteen years, something like
0: that. Yeah, a decade and a half, roughly. Right. So you don't want that to happen. So I would think everyone then argues for the pod scenario.
1: You should, especially competitively. Which, if they go straight to divisions and just move like Alabama and Auburn over, it's it's a wash for Ole Miss. But like we talked about last week, if they go to pods there are going to be years where your schedule is is easier it's going to happen that way you're you're going to get years where but you you might get Georgia, Florida, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma <laughs> on your schedule like that that might happen as well but there are going to be years where your schedule is easier than it currently sits so if I'm Keith Carter and if I'm not the one that was quoted in Dellinger's story about how there's growing momentum I when I talk to people I talk about that and the benefits of that. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. So, Texas and Oklahoma officially in the SEC. Basically, to me, if you think you're one of the big-time programs in college football, you cannot be scared of Texas and Oklahoma. Especially because the last time you played both, you beat them both. Now, Oklahoma was like 30 years ago. But the last time out in Austin, Texas, you beat the absolute crap out of Texas. You did. Last time you played Oklahoma, a long time ago, you did beat them. That did happen. It's not insurmountable. It's tough. But if you think you're a big boy, believe that you are and act like you are. And by the way, your check from the conference is going to get even bigger, which will certainly
0: help. What happens to the Longhorn Network, a relatively unimportant detail of this whole thing? Hmm.
1: There's, There's absolutely no way that Greg Sankey would allow them to keep that. There's no way. Uh,
0: it'll fold. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know who I don't know where else they I'm going to watch all my replays of Texas games from like 1984 now.
1: When Ole Miss played at Texas, that game was on Longhorn Network. Oh, that's right. We couldn't watch it. We had to go to a a, a certain bar in Oxford to watch <laughs> the game because not all of them had it, if I remember correctly, or at least they couldn't promise that they were going to
0: get it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember how we found it. We found it on – I probably some kind of bootleg thing or whatever, so but <laughs> stupid.
1: I know they have a huge fan base, but I mean, did you honestly think that was going to work? <laughs> I mean, who thought that was going to work?
0: I feel like it worked at the very launch after that. It, it just, I don't know what programming they had to sustain that network.
1: I think they had uh, a live feed of Bevo <laughs> on TV, on TV, mm-hmm. like hours of just a, a bovine creature just existing in life <laughs> was part of their programming. I swear, uh, we used to make fun of that on the show a while ago. It's a but, tranquil thing to watch, I yeah, guess. I, just yeah, just stare at a vibe cow. Vibe out, yeah. Yeah, watch them eat grass and poop it out a few hours later. You, you can't know? be afraid
0: of that program. No. <laughs> That's not something you should fear See, if you're old Miss.
1: Texas hasn't been relevant in how, I mean, people at Bud Elliott, oh, why, why would the Mississippi schools want Texas? Well, I mean, Texas recently lost to Kansas. They've had multiple People coaches, high-profile coaches, come in and fail. There's a weird thing with Texas, with, with boosters and involvement and all that. There's, there's some internal politicking that's, that's an issue there. It's not perfect. Maybe you can call it a sleeping giant. I, I think it is. But there's a reason since 2006 they've largely kind of
0: sucked. What, do they have two Big Twelve championships in twenty-five years? Something like that. Yeah, people were comparing them in Oklahoma, and of course you lump them in together while this is happening. But if you really look at those numbers closer, as far as championships and of the Big Twelve and all that, most of them are Oklahoma. Yeah. So I, in I think, recent
1: history, that's Oklahoma's league, absolutely. But they do have a bunch of money. Yeah, I guess so. Don't be afraid of them. That's uh, that's really my lesson for you for today, for whatever that's worth. If you're one of those people, most of you aren't, but some of you are. Last thing for you, I guess this is going to be the title of the podcast as well. I was thinking about this earlier today. I was reading about Matt Corral and his deal with Panini America, which, shout out to Matt Corral, get your money, young man. (laughs) You deserve it. Um, Is Matt Corral the most hyped Ole Miss quarterback since Eli Manning? I'm not talking about recruiting hype because Shea Patterson got all of that. But going into a season, is he the most hyped quarterback that Ole Miss has had going into a season nationally since Eli? I got two common responses from people, but. I would guess Chad Kelly's one. Chad Kelly's one, and then Jevin Snead. Mm. May he rest in peace, the
0: other. And that, yeah, because that year they were, what, number four? Six going into the season.
1: And they moved up to four when they lost to South Carolina.
0: Right. So, I would have to say yes because of the attention around the program as a whole. And I think that draws a lot more eyes onto the quarterback, naturally. Because when when people who don't know a ton about a team, what's the first thing they look at? Quarterback. Right now, it's... Everyone knows Lane Kiffin is at Ole Miss, and he's brought that attention and energy back to the Ole Miss football program, and now all of that, at least on the field, will be focused on Matt Corral. So I think that's why, I think the answer to your question is yes overall. See, I think so too.
1: I think it's a no-brainer, actually. Um, the, the, the Sneed thing, the team was – had higher expectations than the current Ole Miss team. After winning the Cotton Bowl in 08, a lot of people thought it was a a title contender. They really did. People still have that cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, But Tim Tebow was in the SEC at the time. Tim Tebow was coming off of an SEC Player of the Year crown, and he had had his Heisman Trophy by then. So considering what Corral is right now, I don't think Sneed can be the answer because Corral currently, today, is the best quarterback in the SEC. Bryce Young hasn't played yet. Emory Jones has been awful in the very limited time that he's played as well. For what we know right now, Matt Corral is the best quarterback in the SEC. He was voted first team all SEC. He has Heisman odds coming off the season that he just had as well. I think there's because there's no Tebow, there's more attention being paid on Matt Corral, Ole Miss fans in 2009 had high expectations for Jevin Snead. Nationally, regionally, I think there's more attention on Matt Corral than there was Snead because Tim Tebow was in the SEC at the time. And he, was, he already had a Heisman, and he was coming off of an SEC Player of the Year type year. So just by default, the answer
0: is Corral because there is no Tim Tebow that he's being compared to right now. He's the guy. Yeah, the only other guy in the SEC right now that I would say has, and it's nowhere close to the amount of hype, but as far as expectations go, would be JT Daniels. Yeah. But I think Matt Corral, the season that he had last year, his personality and almost the interceptions even to a certain degree add kind of an allure around him entering this season to see what is he going to do next.
1: I was glad to see that the SEC Media Days people – um, knew, made the right call, knew who was better. But Chad Kelly was the other response I got. And Chad Kelly was first team all SEC preseason going into the year. There wasn't a Tim Tebow in Kelly's year. I just, it maybe it's recency bias. Because Kelly at the time had the third best season as a quarterback in SEC football history behind Manziel's two years. That's been surpassed by Joe Burrow. I think Tua maybe had more yards as well. But total yards in a season, Chad Kelly had the third most in the history of the league behind Manziel twice. Better than Tebow, better than Prescott, better than Cam Newton. Chad Kelly, at that time, third best season in SEC quarterback history. That, that's a real thing that happened. The reason why I don't think it's Kelly is the program had so much other stuff going on.
0: that's what I was going to say. Nobody
1: was hyping up the quarterback because it was like, well, what's the NCAA going to do? Ole Ole Miss cheating, Hugh Freeze, all that stuff. That was all the storyline around Ole Miss. So people missed Chad Kelly's brilliance. And also he had off-the-field stuff as well that distracted from his brilliance. But the state of the program caused people to divert their eyes away from Kelly's greatness onto scandal. As opposed to right now, it's only about Lane Kiffin, Matt Corral's greatness, and nothing else.
0: 100%. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, by that time, after Chad Kelly had those great seasons, and it was entering 2016, when you could kind of see the cracks in the foundation almost to a certain degree, and I don't think that there was, again, that singular focus on the quarterback, it, the the focus was everywhere except the field for Ole Miss at that point,
1: nationally. It should have been. Yeah. It should have been. People ignored it. And, you know, it's to a point Chad Kelly's fault, and it's Hugh Freeze's fault, but uh, there's a lot of pressure on Matt Corral. A lot of pressure. Uh, I, I did a radio hit in a different market yesterday, and the guy said, is this true or false? Ole Miss fans would be happy with a 7-5 and five record this season. And I said no. I said they wouldn't be. Because they expect that to be still an elite-level offense that can score on anybody. And they expect to be better defensively. Somewhere inside the top 100. Yeah. At least. You would hope. But no, 7-5 and five won't be good enough for Ole Miss fans this year. I don't think. I really don't. There's pressure on Matt Corral. He is a Heisman contender. He is a guy that can be a first-round pick, and he is a guy that's going to have to be excellent every week to meet the lofty expectations that fans have for his team. I don't remember a quarterback that had this much pressure since I moved here on him in particular. Attention, pressure, whatever you want to call it, preseason hype. I could be off. As some people on Twitter said it was Sneed. Again, maybe it's recency bias. I don't remember a single quarterback having this kind of attention
0: or the expectations for Jeremiah Masoli. I don't <laughs>
1: not like this.
0: That what was is... that was the first Ole Miss game I ever saw. I came really. I I came to Oxford as a high school student, and we were taking a tour of the campus and doing all that. My friend, uh, my friend's family were Auburn fans, so we came and watched. Cam Newton beat Ole Miss. What was it like, forty nine to seven or something like that, uh, with Jeremiah Masoli? So yeah. that was my first Ole Miss memory. Uh, Masoli didn't have
1: that. Although you know, nobody going into that season expected Houston not to fail so miserably, <laughs> especially with a quarterback that talented. That team should have been a hell of a lot worse. Like he should have been a Heisman contender that year, considering how he played versus how bad the rest of the team around him was. It's crazy, but. uh yeah, I think that that's true. I, I'm willing to hear arguments against it. I am. But I think that Matt Corral has the most pressure and attention on him going into a season than any other Ole Miss quarterback since
0: Eli. And I think that's the case. Bo Wallace never had this kind of Mm-mm. pressure. It was more of just the, which which bow are you going to get on yeah. any given Saturday? But it was never this kind of expectation of, being the best quarterback in the SEC, having all these preseason accolades and entering a season where also your team has these kind of expectations.
1: Chad Kelly played like it, but nobody ever talked about Chad Kelly as a first-round pick. Nobody. That's really where I'm coming from uh, with this. I I don't remember Snead being talked about in that way either, unless I'm missing it.
0: I don't remember that conversation being had. Certainly not to this level if it did happen, or else I think that's something that we would remember.
1: Yeah, and somebody couldn't correct me. I just I don't remember it being like this. And goes back to the conversation we had about media days mm-hmm. and how Corral handled that. You and, you and I both agreed that what you say at SEC media days doesn't mean anything. However, it did feel like he was prepared to handle this kind of pressure. Right. It did feel different. What does that mean? Probably nothing. (laughs) But I think that
0: he's equipped now to handle this, I think. And this may not make sense, so I hope it does. What you say at SEC Media Days doesn't necessarily matter. How you say it matters. I think the it's way good, he presented himself showed you that he's ready for it. But, I mean, you can have all the empty words you want and say them in any way, shape, or form. But I think if you present yourself very firmly and confidently, I think that speaks volumes.
1: The podcast is brought to you by ABS, Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. Uh, they'll give you a free A complimentary office technology assessment. So if you're in the market, if your business is looking for office technology like copiers and printers, mail machines, uh, shipping, uh, voiceover, IP, communications, data security, cloud storage, that kind of stuff. Uh, Advantage Business Systems of Mississippi. They're based in Mississippi. Their techs are based in Mississippi. When you call them, you get a live person every time. Uh, They emphasize doing business with Mississippi companies, so if that fits your mold anywhere in the state, doesn't matter where you are, if you're based in Mississippi and you're looking for some office technology solutions, absms.com is the website. Check them out and get one of those uh, complimentary office technology solutions. I should do that for my home office. Uh, I need a new sound mixer. Mm. I don't know if they offer... Uh, podcast recording equipment but everything else I would need in the home <laughs> office they would help me out absms.com is the website Advantage Business Systems Give, uh,
0: I just need a home office yeah you do Yeah, I don't know if I have space for it but I'll try to work it in somewhere Taylor has like a paint studio so I can try to set up a podcasting studio yeah, right, right, right next, next to, to it, it.
1: exactly uh, tell them I sent you tell them we sent you I'm still used to saying I. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I won't and hold it against you. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's just across from Kroger and University Avenue right there in Oxford. It's going to be hot this weekend. Still, not Heat a bad time. In like
0: indexing like 110 or something. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Still, uh,
1: still a good time to get behind the grill and get that started at LB's. It is the best place in Mississippi to get your meat, and you can let them do the cooking for you as well. They have daily lunch specials Monday through Friday, but they're open seven days a week, so if you need... Something to throw on the grill. LB's in Oxford is the place to do it. Tell Greg that we sent you. Last thing for you. According to Chase Parham, Ole Miss Baseball picked up a transfer commitment from Jack Washburn. Oregon State's Jack Washburn. um, He's got high-level stuff. This is a guy that you would hope can come in and start right away because they need it. Badly, they need it really badly. He uh, had five starts in 2021 for Oregon State. Was four and two with a 3.12 ERA. Uh, struck out 43 and opponents in 34 innings. So 43 strikeouts in 34 innings. Opponents hit 186 off of him. So a big time pickup in a position of desperate need because baseball teams are turning everybody in the batting lineup except for Kale Baker, but. With all due respect, addition by subtraction, and you would think that Tim Elko can return to his spot at first base. Right.
0: I I think that is a a positive thing for Ole Miss. Sorry to say it. With all due
1: respect. Yep. Because the way he interacted with kids and fans was incredible. Mm -hmm. Great young
0: man. Just not equipped to hit in the SEC, and that's no. okay. That happens. A few big home runs off the bat, I think, got people a little overexcited as to what his bat in the lineup could be, and it, it just it didn't pan out. And sometimes, you know, the the age old saying is that's baseball. That uh, that just happens that way. But um, they needed
1: that badly because pitching was a huge question mark. It still is, even with a, the addition of a transfer. But you know, I'm going to beat this drum I- until the end of the postseason, whenever that may be next year, there are no excuses. There are no excuses when you return every meaningful bat in your lineup. There are no excuses. And now you add a high-quality transfer with good stuff? I I don't want to hear excuses from anybody. This team needs to win next year. There's no reason that they cannot. No excuses. This team's
0: got to win. Yep. I think entering this season, I think a lot of people – Still had that mindset of, I don't like the Omaha or bust mentality. That's it for next year, though. Yeah, I I don't myself, but (laughs) (laughs) you're out of excuses at this point.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in. We've got uh, to go. We've got a radio show to do here in a little bit, but we thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends about it, and we'll be back on regular schedule starting on Monday. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Follow Steven on Twitter. Yes,
0: at Peeve Gagliano. P-E-E-V-E. Or just... That is correct. Old nickname. Or search his name. That's probably easier. <laughs> Although my last name is tricky.
1: G-A-G-L-I-A-N-O. Go follow him on Twitter, and uh, we'll talk to you again on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi ah! media production.